Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Talking Wealth, the show where the Wealth Within team are on hand to teach you how to become a more confident, competent, and more importantly, profitable trader or investor. Wealth Within was voted number three for stock market podcasts globally in 2018, so I hope you enjoy listening. We cover topics from trading to investing, as well as wealth creation to ensure you can achieve your financial goals. Because as we always say, lifestyle matters. As a global leader in stock market education, you can fast track your journey towards financial freedom by studying with Wealth Within. If you'd like more information about our government accredited courses or to watch more analysis of the stocks in this podcast, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the market report videos under the Learning Center. Please note that the information in this podcast should not be considered personal financial advice. Every day, more and more investors are putting their money into exchange-traded funds. For the most part, they're doing so without a lot of thought. So just how much are you risking by investing in index ETFs? Hello and welcome to this week's Australian Stock Market Report. This week, we'll look at why you need to be a little worried about index ETFs. Then we'll get into the Australian stock market so I can share with you my thoughts on where it's heading. I'll also answer your questions and look at the stocks you've chosen for me. I'm Dale Gillen, Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within, and we're Australia's most trusted stock market educators. Now, before we move on, thank you for showing your support for the channel and hitting that subscribe button. As you subscribe, click that bell on the right of it so you keep up to date with our latest videos. Also, tune into our live Australian stock market show every Tuesday, 7 to 8 p.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time. Now, this is the show where you get to ask us, the stock market education and trading experts, to look at your favorite stocks and answer all of your questions. Right now, there's a lot of talk that the market is heading for an index squeeze. And this has some investors worried about another global financial crisis style event occurring. So what is an index squeeze, and is index investing a smart way to invest? As many of you would know, managed funds and exchange-traded funds track their performance against a stock market index such as the S&P ASX 200 index. Many investors prefer to invest in funds that mirror these indices and do so for two main reasons, ease and diversification. Index squeezing refers to the liquidity of these investments and whether you are able to freely exit if the market were to fall heavily. You may remember just prior to the GFC, investors were swarming into managed funds in record numbers, only to get caught trying to exit when the market fell with many funds freezing withdrawals. As a consequence of the negativity surrounding managed funds, the industry decided to console investors by introducing exchange-traded funds, which are essentially the same investment. But investors can now freely buy and sell them on the exchange. Or can they? In my book, this is where the concept of index squeezing needs to be investigated. If the market does start to fall heavily, then the expectation is that investors will start to sell. But if too many decide to sell and there are not enough buyers, then a squeeze will occur and prices will free fall as investors drop their asking price just so they can exit quickly. Alternatively, the industry will once again freeze withdrawals causing significant distress for investors. Now you need to ask if the market is falling heavily, who will buy your ETF? 
Will it be other investors or will it be the big end of town? Now, given the big end of town runs ETFs, you would not think that they would be interested in buying them as they do not invest in them. Rather, they hold direct shares in cash. Other investors are unlikely to purchase your ETFs if the market is falling heavily. And so I believe the likelihood of an index squeeze occurring is inevitable if and when the next stock market crash occurs. As many of you know, I'm not a big advocate of index ETFs for a number of reasons. But the biggest reason is because they fail to provide investors with good returns, with many struggling to match the return of the index that they are supposed to track. So why is that? Well, quite simply, because someone needs to manage the fund, and there are costs in doing this. Therefore, investors pay management fees which come out of the growth of the fund. Of the top six performing index ETFs, I could not find one this week that has beaten the growth of the All Ordinaries Index. While the All Ordinaries Index has risen around 21.5% this calendar year, the closest ETF to this return is BetaShares Australia 200, which is just over 21% return for the year. Rather than invest in an index ETF, you could have simply purchased the top 20 shares on the Australian market from the start of this calendar year and achieved a return of around 22%, including dividends. And here is the real kicker. All of the stocks in the top 20 are highly liquid, which means you can easily sell at any time, including during a GFC-style event. I'll say that again, you can always freely sell the top stocks on the market, even on the worst days, the market falls. So what were the best and worst performing sectors in the Australian market last week? Well, the big move in last week was the communication services sector, up over 6% on the back of a strong rise from Telstra and TPG. Energy and healthcare were also top performers, up over 4% for the week. Consumer discretionary was in the bottom three sectors this week, along with financials, as both were up around half of percent, with materials rising around 1.8% to round off the bottom three. The best performing stock in the ASX Top 100 last week was Caltex, which was up over 24% on news of a takeover bid from Canadian-based Alimentation Kush Tard. Now, if you do not already own this stock, then you've definitely missed the boat. Other top performers were Virgin Money, up 22%. Now, Virgin Money was also the old CYBG share, and so I encourage investors not to get too excited by the stock now having the Virgin name, as CYBG was trading down around 70% in the past year. It rose last week on news that it did not lose as much as expected. Other good performing stocks last week were Adelaide Brighton, which was up 10%, with Cleanaway Waste and Telstra both up over 8% for the week, with Worley Parsons not too far behind. Now, Bank of Queensland is the worst performing stock, down over 9%, whilst Illumina, Bendigo Bank were all up over 3% to round out the bottom three. So what do I expect in the market moving forward? Well, let's get into the charts of our S&P 500 All Ordinaries Index update for this week. We'll also answer your questions and look at the stocks that you've chosen for me. 
Now, the Australian market was really bullish last week, doing very, very well and breaking through some nice little um, resistance levels that we like. But has it got enough in it to keep going right through to Christmas and into New Year? So let's go and have a look at the chart of the Ordinary's Index. Now, on your screen now, I've got a monthly chart. So this is a longer chart than I normally will show you on the All Ordinary's Index. Now, you can see here how it's moving up quite nicely. There was the previous all-time high that we had there um, back in July. Now, this month, or sorry, last month now November it did break through that but it came back a little bit on Friday but you can see here the long-term move of the all ordinaries index is pretty stable it has this nice momentum that it runs up and this is really why I can't so I'm really struggling to understand why people continually think the stock market or our market is going to crash because it's only when it starts to move up really, really, really strongly over a sustained period that you start to look at getting to crashes. Like, for example, this sort of period here. But right now, it's really just rundling along at its normal momentum. Yeah, it's gone a little bit more bullish through here, but it's just, it came back a little bit. It slowed down a little bit. So everything looks pretty good to me for a sustained rise or continues to sustain rise on our marketplace. But there's a couple of things that still do worry me. One is it's still struggling to break through this 6,900 sort of 50 point level um, but the other thing that worries me is that um, we're actually seeing if I just show you here it really hasn't had its big low we had a big low through here into August 2019 or earlier this year but it really didn't have a big low so we really haven't had a yearly low because we can see December last year was our low we haven't really had a yearly low, which may happen earlier in the year. So we may get a peak in January, February or March. I'm thinking February, March, our market will peak and come down into a low. So maybe it, it's just a little bit um, overdue. When it does come down into a low, it, again, it's not going to be a stock market crash. Coming down into a low will be somewhere between 8 and 20%, probably more like 12 to 15% roughly um, in that bracket. And that's what I would have liked to have seen already, but we haven't had it. But uh, it is nothing to be worried about at the moment. The market is bullish. I do expect it to move higher through December. I do expect it's going to move up into some really, really nice levels here. I think we're going to get a little bit higher. This is sort of what I'm expecting roughly for it to continue to move up. I think it could get up to 7,200 points um, by February or March. I think it should easily be able to do that. It is even possible it can get up to around about 7,600. But let's just stick on 7,200. But there's some really nice looking stocks at the moment market's looking really good but let's get now into the questions that we have from you our viewers now the first question we've got today is from somebody called short memory who asked do you think um, sonic healthcare has the potential to continue to rise and if so, what do you think a good entry price would be? Well, short memory, uh, that's not something I'm going to tell you. I'll talk about, I'll have a look at Sonic Healthcare for you and I'll tell you whether I think it's more bullish or bearish, but you'll never ever see Janine or myself tell people what a good buy price is or what a good exit price is and when to buy and when to sell. That's not something we do and we used to do that uh, years ago, but we find it actually is more detrimental to most people because they get this fixed idea about what price they should be getting into. And now, my thoughts on Sonic might change tomorrow or this week, depending on what happens in the marketplace. And so I might change my entry price or how I'm actually doing something here. So you really do need to look at it yourself and need to understand why you're buying and why you're selling yourself and how you're managing that stock. And if you don't understand what a good entry is, then you need to get my 
book Accelerate Your Wealth. It's your money or choice and have a look at what buy and sell rules are in there, money management rules, how you manage the stock and how you exit that. You do need to look after yourself because what we find is when people see buy and sell prices, sometimes they buy at the same the time or that at that price. Sometimes they wait two and three weeks. They second guess themselves. But more importantly on the sell side, most people don't take your sales anyway. They ask, when would you sell it? Um, and then you give them a price and then they don't sell and then the stock keeps falling away and then they get into bad areas or their portfolio gets really, really poor returns. So just really be careful. Make sure you understand why you're buying, why you're selling and why you're holding if you are holding. But as I said, you're never going to hear that from Janine or myself on the live show or any of these recordings. So let's have a quick look at the chart of Sonic Healthcare. On the left, it's going up. You can see a monthly chart. It's going up. It's doing really, really well. Uh, it does look bullish to me. You can see this stock does do beautifully well. It's going slightly a little bit more vertical. So I would suggest maybe um, it's due for slightly bigger pullback over a period of time. But it is has been moving up quite nicely since these lows in November, December last year. It hasn't had a major pullback. And going a little bit more vertical than it was through here, uh, but nothing too much. I think this stock is looking good and it's, it is rising. So if you're not in this stock and you're looking for a good buy price, you, to me, you should have been in it ages ago anyway. But I think there are better opportunities for stocks uh, that have a much more longer term bull market or bullishness ahead of them. And that's really what I look at. What's, uh, there's a whole saying, you know, Buffett talks about buy low, sell high or buy and doom, sell in boom. Uh, this thing's booming at the moment. So to me, I'd be looking at stocks that have been falling away for a period of time and starting to move up because you're going to get a better buy and a lot longer trend with a lot less stress. This one will eventually peter out. What goes up eventually will come down and eventually Sonic will come down. It's not going to do that right now. may not do that in the next couple of months, but do look at the stock. Looking quickly at the weekly chart, um, it's moving up. A little bit of weakness here on the weekly chart. So you might find it goes down for a couple of weeks. It's been up for four or five weeks now. We might find one or two weeks down, but right now it's looking good for anybody that owns it. I would still hold it. I would be exiting if you are not in it. Um, I would probably consider looking at other things um, to uh, other stocks that might be a bit better buys. So let's move on to the next question I've got, and it is from um, Francois Grobler, who's generally on our live show asking questions. So it's interesting to see he's asked one on this uh, report. So thanks, matey. It's good to get you onto this report. He says, hi, Dale. Thank you and Janine for an awesome show and report. So thanks, Matey, for that nice feedback. He says, I've been watching your live shows and reports for a few months now and read both your books. Thank you. That's really nice of you to, to buy my books and support the channel like that. Um, he says, I've learned more about the market from you and Janine than I ever thought possible. Uh, and that's exciting to hear that you are learning a lot from my books and what Janine and I are talking about. Francois goes on to say, I'll be away for all of December and he's got in brackets to get some money to invest in the market and in my education by enrolling in one of your courses. And if all goes well, hopefully the diploma. Well, we'd love to have you on board, matey, and I'd love to support you in your trading and so would Janine as well. So um, if that happens, that's great. Um, and he goes, I know, I know so little. And that's really good. A lot of people don't understand that. They have a false reality. We see people investing and trading on a false assumption that they actually understand. But it's not until you put it against a measuring stick that you actually really understand. And I do have people coming to me saying, hey, I'm a trader. I've been trading three, five, ten years. I've been trading a million dollars, half a million dollars, whatever it is. And then when I start asking them what they know and how they do what they do, on a scale of one to ten, there are one or two against me. If, if I'm the ten, 
then they're a one on two. And they really don't understand that until they, I start asking questions and start getting them to think about what they actually really know. And it, it's that, that false reality happens and that false bravado on the market that causes a lot of people to lose money. Um, he, Francois goes on to say, my 16-year-old son and I have started to invest in the market together, which is awesome to hear. And he says um, he is putting his uh, McDonald's money to good use. And I think it's really good use rather than buying McDonald's. He's, he's actually putting it into the market, which is great to see. I'd love to hear your thoughts on Origin. I think it looks bullish. Having broken through the $8 to $8.10, it looks significant for me. I um, would love to hear your thoughts. Thoughts. A really good question, Francois, and it's great to see you are working with your son. We find a lot of teenagers that are working with their sons, uh, their daughters and sons, or not the teenagers, are working with their mums and dads, that the mum and dad have a much better relationship with their, their children, and we're getting a lot of feedback on that at the moment, that the children are interested in the market. So if you haven't been including your children in with what you're doing on the marketplace, do so. Give them a shot at it because there's a couple of things that will happen. One, you'll get a better relationship. Two, they'll start learning how to look after themselves financially earlier. And three, they'll push you to do better. And that's a really good part about it. They'll keep asking questions and asking you to lift your game, I suppose, is a better way of saying it. But uh, let's go and have a look at the charts now um, of Origin. So on the screen on the left, monthly chart, weekly chart on the right. And you can see Origin had a big high back in September 2008 and fell very, very heavy right down to here. So right now it's more on the start of its long-term bull market, which is different to Sonic. Um, and that's what I was talking about here. So if we look more recently, it had a beautiful pullback right down through into this low into December last year. And it's moving up nicely. So I really do like this stock, Francois. It's a really nice looking stock. It's gone a little bit vertical the last couple of weeks, as you can see through here. Right through here, it's just gone a little bit more vertical. So don't be surprised that it has one or two weeks down. But right now, I think it's more medium to longer term bullish. I'm not really really sort of getting your $8, $8.10 um, area. So if we're looking at this sort of $8, $8.10, is somewhere around about here, resistance around here. It's just broken through this little bit. It's nothing major in my book. Um, there's a few other things that I look at from time, price and pattern that suggest this stock does look good. So I would suggest uh, if you're not in it at this point in time, um, just wait for it to come back a little bit, I think, because it's, it's probably gone away a little bit fast. Uh, it may not do that. It might keep shooting up. So that's the chance you make by not entering something like that. If you are in it, stay with it. That's really my opinion um, on that stock at this point in time. So the next question we got is from Lawrence who says, hi Dale, thanks for the insights on the market. That's my pleasure matey. Just wondering what your opinion on Webjet is now. I made a two-step purchase Average price at $11.70. looks like you're talking about dollar cost averaging there. He said, should I continue to hold this stock or find other options? Um, let's have a look at the stock on the chart right now. And you can see here how this stock has fallen quite heavily. It's, it's all-time high was back here um, in August 2018. And more recently, you can see this big, big, big fall here. And if I put my thing on it, you'll see there from the close of that month down to there, it was down around 40% at one stage. So what I'm assuming, given it's now at currently around about $12, what you've done is dollar cost average and anybody looking at my book or reading my book will know that I'm dead against dollar cost averaging because it's the way to make yourself broke. Buying stuff as they're falling and you're catching falling nice quite often. So to me, if you've averaged $11.70, that means you've bought at over $12 at some stage. So the first parcel of the shares that you bought, you're probably still losing money on. The second parcel of the shares you bought at a lower price, I don't know where that is to average it at 11.70. But if you're looking at this, if we go down to 11.70, 
um, and put our little pointer on here at 1170, which is somewhere around about, if I can see that, somewhere around about there anyway, um, you would have been down 14 to 15% on your average price over that period of time. And that's not a really good position to be in. Um, right now it is looking a little bit better, but are you, going, are you buying in a fool's rally or a sucker's rally? And that's the other question. It's quite a volatile share, this share. So it does fall quite fast and you'll see jumps on it before it drops away. And obviously this one here dropped right away. This could have been a fool's rally and you've just taken it all the way down to this bottom. So right now we've seen one, two, three, four, five, six weeks up, weakness right here, big weakness right here, and then obviously last week it moved up. I would expect at least a couple of weeks down, one to two weeks down in the next next few weeks or a month. Um, and the interesting thing will be to see whether it holds above that low. If it can't hold above that low, this thing is going south. So the big thing that I would suggest you do, two things. One is don't dollar cost average. If you think you should be doing that, buy my book, Accelerate Your Wealth. It's your money, your choice, and you'll stop doing that forever. But you'll learn better rules to buy and sell and how to manage your portfolio. So please do that. Uh, the second thing I would do is have a stop loss on this and don't buy and hold this. As you can see, if you bought this way back here, um, just on this thing, that's September 2016, you wouldn't have made any money. And you look at that, it's just a sideways stock. So it's not a buy and hold stock. So please don't do that. They're the two things that I'd suggest you do. So let's go on to the next question. This one's from Carl who says, Hi Dale, I currently own BHP, Wes and CSL. Awesome stocks, matey. Well done for those choices. Really good. Um, each making up 10 to 15% of my portfolio and I'd like to bring those closer to 20% each. Uh, my, question, my answer to that is don't do that. Um, I know I talk about stuff in my book about 20, you know, 8 to 12% or 8 to 12% stocks um, in position sizing and all, no more than 20% in each stock. 20% is more for traders because we're actively managing risk by buying and selling and managing those risks. If you're more of an investor and you're not a good trader, then I'd, I would stay between 8 and 12% in each stock. 15% is getting a little bit high in my book. And sometimes, and that, I'm not saying it's high in your in your case, simply because stocks will rise to 15% of your portfolio if they're nice and strongly bullish, like some of the stocks that you have. So that doesn't bother me. You might have bought them at 8% of your portfolio and they've risen to being 15% of your portfolio. So I'm talking about the initial purchase that doesn't make, it is no more than eight to 12% of your portfolio. But moving in closer to 20% means you'll have five stock in your portfolio and that more is, needs, needs much more active management to protect risk. And if you're not a good trader, uh, then that's not, a, not gonna happen. So please, um, just, uh, I would buy, if you've got more cash, I would then just buy more stock and take out and have more positions um, than you currently have. Now, he says, I tend to get concerned when purchasing um, to make the purchase because I see Goldman Sachs recommendation on Comsec, say sell or neutral, and the consensus might be say sell strong, etc. These are companies with solid numbers and seemingly upward trends at the moment. Should I give much thought on these recommendations? My answer to that, matey, is absolutely, positively, definitely not. Um, broker recommend brokers are aptly named and I'm not trying to be rude to them but that's what they, they're aptly named in my book I do have some really great friends who are brokers and they are absolutely passionate about helping people make money and their clients but on the broking spectrum they're sort of the 10 to 20 percent of brokers not the 80 to 90 percent of brokers 
Broking firms work for the big end of town. 70% of the stocks traded on the Australian Stock Exchange, or 70 to 80%, is by institutions. And if they're dumping a stock, the brokers will tell everybody to buy it to get that buying coming through to those stocks so that the big end of town can sell. And the opposite happens the other way. So if you go and follow broker recommendations like I've done in the past, I've actually spreadsheeted all their recommendations and I find then you're better off buying their sells rather than what they say to sell and selling what they say to buy. Now that's a research I've actually done and it's in my book. So um, I would suggest you grab my book if you haven't already got it. So Accelerate Your Wealth. Uh, it'll teach you when to buy, when to sell, how to manage it. And you've got some great stocks here. I'm gonna have a look at one of those stocks, not all three, because I don't have time for all that anyway. But let's go and have a look at BHP because I do love BHP as a stock. And you can see here, it's just trending beautifully since this low way back here. Um, and it's moved beautifully up here. And this month it's looking quite nice. This is looking nice. It's much better stock to buy than something right now than like a Sonic what we looked about a little bit earlier. So I do like this. But that said, in terms of um, resource companies, I like Rio, BHP, then Fortescue. Fortescue least, be Rio more. I like Rio a little bit more than I like BHP, but I do like both of these stocks. They both... BHP and Rio do look really, really good. So I, I would stay with them. And CSL um, is a great stock at this point in time. So I'd stick with that as well. So, But right now, um, good choices on your stocks. So well done for doing that. You're not playing with risky stocks, uh, given the, the, the level of knowledge you have. Because if you're looking at broker recommendations, uh, my suggestion is you're not really a trader or you're not highly educated trader. So get some good rules around it when you're buying and sell, and you'll do really, really well. So that brings us to the end of my questions. For, for this week. So thanks for sending them in and thanks for watching until the end of the video. I really do appreciate you sticking with me till the end of the video. So now if you have any questions that you would like me to answer, so just like those people that ask questions um, either on the chat or via email, just stick them below and uh, I'll get to, to answering them. So you get your fingers on the keyboard and you get typing and then I'll answer those on next week's report because remember that here on this channel we do these Monday market reports every week and we also do our live stream every Tuesday uh, or Tuesday nights at 7 to 8 p.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time. So also remember to hit that subscribe button now and click the bell on the right of it so that you know when we upload videos and go live with our live show. But for now, I'm Dale Gillam, the Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within. Goodbye, good luck, and good trading. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Wealth Within, a global leader in stock market education. For more information on our courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre.